This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. I think pretty much everyone out there has played Monopoly at some point in their life. But as we move further and further down the digital road, the company that makes the famous board game is changing with the times as well. It was announced by Hasbro that the game would become more current, as they say, with a version that doesn't include paper money. Now the game will include debit cards and scanners so that you can collect money and pay for properties, uh, whatever. It's an interesting change that will be debuting later this fall. Mary Pilon is the author of the book The Monopolist, a New York Times bestseller about the history of the board game Monopoly. She joins us on the phone, as does Geetha Romani, who is an associate professor of human development and quantitative methodology at the University of Maryland. Geetha, Mary, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. me. Great to have you both. Uh, Mary, I guess... is it is it a surprise that we see this happen with with such a legendary game like Monopoly? No, not at all. So Hasbro has actually done this a few times. They acquired the Monopoly brand when they acquired Parker Brothers in 1991, and they will revamp it to add things like debit cards, credit cards, uh, and there's all those different Opoly games, right? You know, yep. oftentimes your alma mater, different cities and things. But what's, what's so ironic about this is. Parker Brothers acquired Monopoly in 1935 as a brand, but the game had this whole life before that. Um, It was invented by a woman in 1904 as kind of a left-wing protest against monopolies. It was played in a folk game for, you know, 30 years before Parker Brothers even touched it. And one of the things that those early folk players did was they modified the game to make it their own, to reflect their times. They put their own cities in, you know, they... They made it their own anyway, so it's funny to me that, you know, over a century later, here we are going full circle again, and the game's just still evolving. But, but Keith, the interesting part about this, uh, from your perspective, is the fact that there is a learning element, and, and we've talked on this show about, about financial literacy and the problems that we have here in the United States with that. The learning element, in some respects, is taken out because there's not going to be any more money in the game. It's, it's all debit cards. That's right. I think, you know, part of the beauty of Monopoly is the simple things like making change and understanding whether you have enough funds and all of that. I, my, my understanding is, is it's going to be done by the machine. So even though that there's a lot of complexity that's being added to the game, some of the simple components of it that's being removed, I think, is going to hurt some of the learning elements that Monopoly has built into it. What is the hope, though, that that I mean, I don't know if this if this game, this version of the game may push, Mary, a lot of people back to the old version, especially parents that are playing the, you know, potentially this new version with their kids. I think that's true. You know, it was really funny on book tour. I was really surprised with how many parents came up to me and said that they use Monopoly with their kids, not only as a bonding, which is, you know, that was the case in my family. I think it's been the case for generations. But that their kids, um, I hate to use the expression kids today, but kids today didn't understand cash because they see their parents use credit cards and debit cards wherever they go. And that's something that I think that all of us take for granted is that there is a generation gap. And in a previous life, I wrote about um, credit cards and banking at at the Wall Street Journal, which is actually ironically how this whole monopoly thing came about. And so I think that, you know, the, the, it's, 
that's a really good point that it is a place where you can cash, you can count things out. And I think with kids, that tactile piece, um, I know when I play with my cousins and such, that that's a huge part of it. So, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's the parent who has to buy the set, right? So yeah. then it was two options. I think if the parents are buying the game, they're going to veer towards the more traditional option. But the price point on the new one is right around $25. And, I, you know, I wouldn't remember what you know, what the price of the old version of is. But realistically, that's not a huge change in price, I think, overall, correct? Well, it depends. I mean, Black Friday, Monopoly, and a lot of the kind of Hasbro board games are deeply, deeply discounted. And a huge percentage of board game sales happen in November to December. So, you know, when you consider that's a very specific window that people are buying, and plus there are so many of these sets in circulation that used ones are, you know, ubiquitous at garage sales now. So if you wanted the traditional set, you could get it for, I don't know, five, ten bucks, not a lot. So, and of course, you know, there's the tragedy of the lost pieces. So, um, you know, and again, they, they re- revamp these brands every couple of years. And the game also lives on the iPad and the iPhone with kind of the more traditional world set where you still have money. So it's not quite as fun as, you know, handing out the cash. But there are other versions out there for sure that are cheaper. We're talking about the changes coming to Monopoly by Hasbro, uh, joined uh, by Mary Pilon, who is the author of the book The Monopolist, also joined by Jitha Romani, who is with the University of Maryland. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Even not having the quote-unquote cash there, Jitha, the game itself will still provide kids and and teens or whoever's playing it with a variety of financial literacy, it's just going to be a little bit different, correct? I agree. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be very interesting and novel at first. I think having the concrete um, dollar bills there, having the uh, money that you can work with is really important. The numbers that might show up on the screen that you use with the cards is going to be really abstract, I think, for for the smaller kids to understand. So having concrete cues about the money and how much you need and how much you have is going to be really important for kids if you're really trying to teach them about the worth and how much things cost and how much you have and what's more than less than other things. And so I think there'll still be opportunities there with the with the card and the electronic billing and talking about these kinds of things, but removing that some of the concrete materials is going to make it harder for lots of kids to understand. I guess from what I understand uh, with the new game, there also is the possibility of, of raising and lowering the prices of the properties as you go throughout the game. So in some respects, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a learning process about wealth in general, I would think. Absolutely, and I think that will definitely make an interesting component to it, but it might depend on how old the kids are. So for right. younger kids who can still sort of participate in the game, you know, that element's going to be really challenging for them, I'd imagine, even for adults, right? Um, but if for older kids, perhaps maybe it'll make an interesting um, piece of financial you know, information to talk about while they're playing the game. Mary, what, what are some of the other changes they made? I mean, obviously, we've talked about the, the fact that it's going to be debit cards and they're going to have a scanner with it. Did, did they change any of the properties themselves? That's the, those are the biggest um, changes. As far as I know, the properties are the same. The design of the board itself is quite different, and Mr. Monopoly himself got a revamp a few years ago. So it's visually quite different um, than the houses and hotels, the colors of those. But it's really the digital piece that you two have been talking about. You know, it's funny. I, I heard from a, a few readers who kind of would joke about 
monopoly, you know, where do you draw the line? Are we going to have a monopoly with like securitization and bundles of mortgages <laughs> and like have a stock market? And like, you know, it's just, and there's also a whole school of, uh, of thought that monopoly itself doesn't actually teach people the right things about capitalism, which is probably a whole other book, right? The idea that it's a winner take all as opposed to real life where you could have more than one billionaire. You know, obviously we have several. And so, so I've, I've heard a lot from people who also just take issue with the core of the game, whether you put digital bells and whistles on it or not, you know, whether that's right or wrong. And again, it's so funny because it started out as like a left-wing teaching tool um, designed by a woman to show the ills of capitalism. Now here we have it in this, you know, whole other life. Um, and, and we're criticizing it. It's kind of like criticizing a Model T. I mean, game designers love to rip on Monopoly too because, you know, yes, it was one of the early, there's some things about its design that I think Lizzie McGee made that really changed gaming and, and changed the marketing of gaming. But at a certain point, we, you know, we have to appreciate what it was, but uh, not be, I don't know, it's interesting. I don't know if we should be total purists, if that makes any sense. But, well, um, the, the, the interesting piece to this is that Monopoly, uh, one of the articles talked about how the fact that it is still like the number one board game in, what, 20, 25 different countries around the world. So, you know, th we talk about this a little bit in a U.S context but but this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out across the globe right well i was just actually in um cambodia and thailand just a couple of weeks ago and it's funny you mentioned this because process payment processing the use of cars and such that's everywhere now i mean that's yeah. so ubiquitous and and in some ways the u.s is actually behind and you see this with like the chips and credit cards in europe that's been around for a lot longer so i if, if that's the case and that's the trend that game is mimicking then absolutely i think it'll it'll do well globally uh, Yitha, you have done some research into this, and, and it, it, I guess part of it links to how some of these board games, especially ones like Monopoly, can really uh, advantage kids that may come from disadvantaged backgrounds, correct? Yes, yeah, so we've done some research with simple board games, mostly that we've designed to look at children's early number skills and try to promote those skills, thinking that giving kids um, a fun way to learn about numbers and their magnitudes or how big and small numbers are can be a very fun and developmentally appropriate way to teach kids about numbers. Um, and so we develop um, games and think of really about the design and try to use as many cues about the numbers um, and their patterns to really help them to understand them. Do you think? Do you think having seen this, if if this is a success, would it surprise you if it would be a success, Ethan? Because of the fact that so many people are so just reliant on their debit cards these days. I bet it'll be successful in the sense that it'll be novel and it'll be interesting. I know when the electronic, there was a previous version with electronic banking, and yeah. that was also successful and popular, but. In my household, particularly, that novelty wore off very quickly, and the regular version gets played a lot more, or more versions with the dollar bills, because that was just too challenging for people to sort of do and understand. And so having that concrete, um, those concrete dollar bills are keep it more engaging for the kids. Well, and then, of course, if you end up losing the debit card or the credit card, then you're a lot, then you're in a lot of trouble, because then you, you, you'd have to call them and replace the cards. Mm-hmm. But also think right. about what, um, you know, how we're talking about it is debit and credit card. I mean, you and I and a lot of your listeners know the difference. You know, one is a line of credit and you can acquire debt. One is yeah. a check card, right? That's what we used to call them. And that's a fundamental difference in your financial life, how you use those two. But to kids are two pieces of plastic. 
So they're not as distinguishable, even though the consequences of using them are so different. So, you know, in the game, I do think, you know, there's a really good point to be made. And, like, you have to – I think parents struggle with this. Like, you have to teach kids the difference between credit and debit. But yeah. if in a game they're all the same, then yikes. You know, that, like, raises a lot of a lot of questions. Well, well Mary, the, uh, Ethan mentioned the, uh, the older version of the digital banking uh, that Monopoly did a few years ago. How successful was it? Because, honestly, I don't even remember it coming out. Right. So Hasbro doesn't break out. They're publicly traded, but they don't break out game sales by title. So they wouldn't even break out Monopoly versus Candyland versus Clue, let alone the different kind of, you know, flavors of Monopoly. I mean, it's hard to And so for that reason, it's just really, really hard to say. And Monopoly is such a different game because it's not one that hardcore gamers are going to play and review and be, you know, it's kind of considered more mainstream. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think it did well, I guess. I mean, but um, the, the, they, the other thing that is really interesting about whenever these kind of like public relations launches happen is people make it sound like they're changing Monopoly and they're not going to make any new ones, and yeah. which is always ridiculous. You know, you can always get the old – they sell a lot of the more classic editions and revamp them. So, um, you know, even when they launch a new game, it's not like they're totally shoving out the old product line to, to do so. But you mentioned as well about how they have kind of just expanded Monopoly in general with all kinds of different – uh, monopolies. You mentioned, obviously, I think pretty much every major university has their own version of Monopoly these days. A lot of cities have their own version. Sports teams, ha- you know, have their own version of Monopoly. They have just marketed this to the nth degree because, obviously, they can. Exactly, and that's what makes games to me so interesting. Is that especially a company like Hasbro who has all these brands, right? They've acquired Parker Brothers and Milton Bradley. So if you go to a game shop and a big box retailer like a Target or a Walmart, they control a lot of that. And yet they, they have to walk this line between nostalgia and knowing that parents are buying these, but also the truth is kids and screen time, right? I mean, look at how our habits, and that's true for adults too, um, have changed. And the video game industry is this mammoth, quiet thing um, that wasn't around in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s when a lot of these games were becoming you know, really, really popular. So they do have to kind of walk this line between taking their old brands and making them contemporary, but still kind of playing to this, you know, warm and fuzzy family game night feel that, you know, they've been trying for generations to to cultivate. And I think this is a great example of that. Geetha, the the version this this digital banking version or this new digital banking version that they that they're doing without the without the the money, uh, without the actual cash, uh that style uh, of game, you you obviously we've talked about. It, I believe that you know this does present a bit of a negative issue uh, for kids uh, going forward. Uh, but are there other pieces from from maybe stuff that you have read that that Hasbro is still missing on, and maybe changes that they still need to make to this new version outside of the old version? Um. You know, there's lots of things that, you know, Mary said is right, like trying to have, you know, keep promoting sort of family game nights is a really good idea. Um, I think giving, you know, trying to teach kids about um, different skills in the games um, is not a bad idea. Thinking about certain math skills or even certain literacy skills while keeping them in a kind of a fun, engaging way is is a nice way for family game nights to be more than just sort of fun. They can be important uh, kind of learning um, uh, opportunities as well. And so I think those are always things that could be further built into games. 
Did I read, Mary, that they're also talking about, I guess, adding some sort of of auction function to this new version of the game where, you know, if you land on a property and don't want it, it can be auctioned off at that point? So here's what's funny about that, and I've written about this in the past, that most people, and again, this kind of goes to why Monopoly is a unique game, most people game, play the game incorrectly. And one of the reasons why is they don't read the rules, because you learn it from, you know, your mother, your father, and aunt and uncle, whoever played it before. So on, in the actual Monopoly rules that have been around for years and years and years and years, there is a rule that says if you land on property and you don't buy it, it should go up to auction anyway. And oh, that's one okay. of the things that makes the game right. So, like, I know it's always so funny that people, you know, don't realize that because people play with their own house rules. And um, that's part of why the game last, gets a bad rap for lasting so long. Because if you don't auction off the properties, you know, it takes longer to unload them all. And, um, and, um, and, and people also have this tendency to inject a lot of cash into the game, which also makes it last longer because it takes longer to bankrupt people. So... I, every now and then, and I, I guess I have to give, you know, has the props for this, that's worth highlighting again, because whenever people say Monopoly is a long game, I'm like, no, it's actually not. If you play by the rules, yeah. you know, you're in and out in under two hours, uh, if, if that. So, so I've, so so I've I, been... I've been yeah, pl- they're kind of highlighting an older thing. So I've been playing the game wrong. I, I mean, I'm 49. <laughs> I've been playing it wrong for the last 42 years or so. Yeah, but there's always time to, to change and reverse course. It's totally fine. You're definitely not the first. Well, but it is interesting because it, it truly is, and I don't know how many games are like this, but it truly is a generational game. It is something that, you know, you play it as a kid and you pass it down to your kids. I know I play it with, with my son. My son loves to play Monopoly uh, all the time, and that's unique, I, I think, a little bit, you know, in this in this realm of games. And, you know, to go back to this idea that, that uh, was being discussed about what it teaches kids, I think that that is a huge part is it teaches you cooperation and getting along with people and kind of the deal-making aspect of the game, the social aspect. Um, and what I love about games, and particularly this is the case in my family, but I think it's true with any group of people, is it brings out a side of people that you don't see ordinarily. And I feel like I've learned <laughs> so much about my aunts and uncles and my you know sibling and a lot of us because of having a game like this and so and i'm the youngest in my family so having an arena where i actually like had a shot at winning was like really exciting still is so um i I do think that it's it's going to be with us for a long time for a lot of those reasons well i guess it's interesting Ethan, because one of the articles i read talked about how not having the money in this particular version of the game may actually cut back on the potential cheating that may go on with family members within the game as well. That probably is true. But part of the, I mean, the fun is having a banker who uh, counts out the money and can make the change and watching them and talking about whether that was right or wrong or how much you still owe me. And there's a component of that where it involves discussing about the money and the social interactions and talking about how much and how much less and how much more that is um, an important part of the learning that's all going to be taken care of now by the machine. So I guess it'll, yes, it'll speed things up and it'll prevent some cheating, but I mean, in some ways that's part of the fun and the learning that goes on with that game. What do you see, what, what level of success, Mary, do you see for this version of the game or will it probably, will it still be outsold by the old version? Well, I think that, uh, again, we won't really, really be able to know. I think it'll do sure. fine, but I don't see it as, you know, some extreme, huge, you know, big trend. And I think what's interesting about Monopoly now, too, is that you had, because of Kickstarter, the financing of game design is so different that 
Now a lot of these traditional brands have um, more competition from more upstarts like Settlers of Catan or other games that now parents have even more access to. So I think it'll it'll come and go, um, but I still think that most people will gravitate towards the, the traditional game. Jitha? What was that? I'm sorry. Well, how 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 successful do you think that that this this version of the game will be compared to the old version? I think it'll be like Mary said. I think it'll be successful, but I um, I'm not sure it'll replace the older versions. I think there'll be a lot of great novelty to it. I think that there'll be a lot of excitement with the new version, um, but I don't expect that uh, the old versions will be removed from the shelf anytime soon. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.